Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Coffee Jimmy James. James, we should have been hitting the record button 15 hours ago. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Off the chart. It's all downhill from here, Jimmy, I think. You would have had to edit it, though. That's several times. And, you know, and I was going to come in with an icon, legend, guru, all this stuff. And I'm, I mean, it was just a fun chat. I really, we should have been recording that because it's we, always we about the pre-show. The it's always about the pre-show. We remember any of it, so we can't redo it. You know, we just I have know. you ever had to do that before? Have you ever like gave something and somebody said, all right, I need you to do it again. And you can't help but think about the points and the, that you really hit. And you're like, there's no way yeah. you get so preoccupied with it. Whew. Sounds like EWNCon, Jimmy. Flashbacks. You know, I told you that I learned a lot through doing and making mistakes, right? But one of the things that I learned a long time ago is I'll never, ever read a speech. I tried it one time, and I I wasn't nervous. It was just I lost my place, you know, in that speech. uh, And there were a lot of people there. And I was like... Damn, man, I know I look like I couldn't find where I was on this. So I go, never again. Right? Nope. You know, just have That's the hard. thoughts down in logical order and then ad lib. That's really a more natural delivery anyway. Well, and again, Jeff Weeson is joining us. They were going to get into a little bit more particulars about him. But I know we just, just assume everybody knows him, right? We just start talking. Dude, right? The legend, the icon, everything about Jeff is. Weeson. On the wanted poster. Well, That's we're going to keep that on the down low, especially in Florida or in Washington. But uh, I'm the same way. And two years ago, we did a Christmas special and it was beautiful. <laughs> it was wonderful. It was all via Zoom. And James was beautiful with doing all these uh, verbiages that I had to speak. And I am an ad lib type of guy. Give me a concept and I'll come up with the words. But all of a sudden, I'm like on the on locking the up. It was right at the beginning of the pandemic, too, Jeff. So, like, you know, you're we're all trying to figure it out at that. We had been on Zooms and doing those things, but we had to do something special. And really, the only means we had to do it was to record on Zoom. And we kind of made this. It was almost like an award show with these skits built in and things. And Jimmy was a sport. Mm-hmm. And we recorded, yeah, but... It was a nightmare to record, and Jim would walk off, and it was it was throw comedy. Stuff. Throw stuff, and then he'd come back, pick it all up. All right, let's do it again. Let's do it again. You know, I noticed that you guys have really professional-looking video and probably audio. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sitting in my makeshift office, converted bedroom, and with a cheap little uh, cam. Uh, we we didn't want to say anything. We're no, professional uh, association over here. We we really have our life together as a podcast. I'll tell I you. I used what. to think of myself as a professional. I have to upgrade my video and my audio. So, and yeah. I'm even downgraded. Yeah, we'll be your Yoda. We'll take you along the trip. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. We are looking for a third member to the band. We just saw Jeff not too long ago. I think, uh, I'm not sure when this is airing, but back in May at our own event, EWN Con, uh, which we'd seen him a few times before that. But Jeff, uh, I guess, thank, I hadn't seen you since then. We've emailed, you know, back and forth, but good seeing you again. And thanks for coming out and joining us. Yeah, and I told you guys earlier, I will restate that part. That was really well worth the time in the trip. 
right? I enjoyed myself there. Met a lot of neat people. Got to talk to a lot of people. You guys were kind enough to let me join a panel um, with Steve Allen, my buddy. Um, yep. And I it was really a seven-hour panel. Yeah. <laughs> Steve <laughs> Allen, Jeff, the Colonel. Who the else Colonel. was on there? Oh my God. Yeah, there's so many folks. It's great. He's an interesting cat. All all short-winded guys. They hardly ever oh, say yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They they had side conversation. I'd watch them. They'd lean back, and you know Jeff would be talking to Steve or something while somebody else was totally talking. Like just, it couldn't <laughs> couldn't wait their turn. It's not normal. Even I, you know, we, Steve and I are both members of this pipeline safety management systems group on LinkedIn. Yep. Yeah. There's, there's an open joke in there that when they finally turn from the speaker to the Q&A thing, who goes first? Is it Steve or Jeff? So now, like the last time was just last Friday, I just waited. And it, it was like a 15 second pause before, before I finally said, Steve, come on now. <laughs> you got to go ahead or I'm going to jump in later. Who's the so, who's the head of that group? Steven. Steve. Yeah, I can't. I don't know how to say his last name. Yeah. yeah. I, I got to meet him at AGA this year. He's a great guy. Yeah. He is. He we just actually, can't say his last name. Wizarek. I think it's something that, like that's that. That's good. I know it's Steven. We're yeah, gonna have to have Steve Steven on to, to talk about it. You should. Yeah. He and Ashley Benini, you know her? Uh again, Ash I wouldn't have never tried to say her last name, but yes. I yeah, know who you're talking about. Easier for me to say Donini. So I knew her before she worked for a company that I sit on one of their boards. And um, I've, I've really enjoyed working with those two. They've expanded that group. I mean, you guys ought to come on and actually be the interviewed instead of the interviewer. <laughs> what are we waiting on? What are we talking yeah. about? Yeah. Well, Set Steve, it up. I, I can get his contact if you don't have it. Um, happily set it up. Look at that, Jimmy. We just made a deal. I think we're gonna we're I gonna trade we services. Uh, I you Jeff, I met you at EWNCOM. We talked about um, there. Well, and and maybe before that, I think at APGA last year we we ran into each other. But um, I'd love. I mean, personally myself, I haven't got to sit down and really unpack Jeff Weiss, right? Yeah. So I'd love, and I know our audience would too, just like your journey to where you're at now, kind of, we, we always like to say the origin story, right? How did you get to be the superhero uh, in this, in this uh, pipeline yeah, safety world? People that call it that, but so just, we don't start from the gleam in my daddy's We eye. only have like 45 minutes, I think. Yeah, so, okay. uh, yeah, don't start at that point. It accelerated a few years. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, you know, I've been, we were talking about our kids earlier, right? And I'm saying, like, you try to coach your kids. You, like Jim was saying, you try to transfer knowledge from all the mistakes you've made and say, Dad, I just hope you don't make those yeah. mistakes, right? Um, but they won't want to listen. Um, but I think that to answer your question, life is like, a river, right? And unless you're really actively moving, you're just going to go where it takes you, right? And it's random sometimes, right? You may in a really good place, you may end up in a really bad place. But I think I just went along the path that said, hey, 
I need to go on to college after high school, very active in sports in high school. And I wanted to go to the Berkeley School of Music. And I wanted to be a musician. My parents hated that idea. And despite the fact that they weren't paying for college and I paid for it for 10 years afterwards, I acquiesced and I went into what they call a pre-med program. I was ready to go to med school when I graduated from a place in Iowa. Hold on, hold on, don't go any further. I wanna know first what type of musician, I mean, what were your aspirations? Okay. Guitar, but all, all, all kinds of influences, you know, from jazz to Jimi Hendrix, you name it. Love it. I mean, I was, anybody who's got talent with a guitar, I like. Okay. That's awesome. Sec, second question is, then as you made the other choice, what, what type of medicine? No, it was a pre-med program. So it okay. was before you oh, specialized. So, I actually I was accepted to med school. Um but I was, I was, uh, I was too idealistic. Um, and I decided I interviewed 10 doctors as a project in my senior year. I didn't find one of them that really liked their job. And I was thinking to myself when I was graduating, like, how oh, do I do that? I'm going to go into debt forever and then come out and not like my job. What a fool. I would have been retired a long time ago if I had followed that path, but as it, as it went, I just went along and I read this, the, I've got funny, you know, we can talk sometime more casual about some of those paths, but took me on eventually on a sailing trip, met somebody, the captain of this boat that I was the boat boy for. Um, he paid all food, all drink, you know, all expenses, but no money, you know, for, per se, but he asked me after we finished sailing from New England down to uh, Key Biscayne in Florida, he said, hey, you know, the wife and I really enjoy having you here. Why don't you sail with us into the Caribbean for the winter? So mistake number one was not taking him up on that. Okay. <laughs> I should have gone, gone sailing in the Caribbean. <laughs> I don't know what's happening right now. I thought this was, uh, this is really like an origin story. It sounds like a superhero that, story. Yeah. Please continue. Yeah, but it was, uh, anyway, I'll make it shorter. He, he talked me into going back to school because I said, you know, dude, I got to get serious about this. Took a year off. I was a bartender. I worked high steel construction. And I was just saying, this is not going anywhere fast. And he talked me into going to grad school. So I went to grad school, got really interested in ocean matters. So I got a marine affairs degree, which was interdisciplinary. Aquaman. It's science, economics, um, you know, oceanography, um, economics, and public policy. Um, Got a job while I was going to school. You know, they eventually took me to D.C. So I'm saying the river just takes you places, right? Amen. And so I needed money. So I, I took that job and uh, I was tired of being poor. I mean, I've been a student a long time in the year four as a student generally, but it got me very interested. And I spent 15 years then um, in offshore oil and gas. Um, the only thing I'll really say besides that I loved that stuff, right? I really did. Um, was that I ended up on the um, first uh, SMS type program to come out of uh, Department of the Interior. 
I was on the committee. I was the only government person on the committee. That's the story of my life. Only government person on an industry committee. So I've been on a number of uh, industry committees and I found that to be fascinating. Always loved it. Took that opportunity whenever I could get it. When we was that, Jeff? When was that? <clears throat> Just out of curiosity. That was in the mid 90s because it followed a Piper Alpha, which was a platform explosion over in the North Sea that killed like 148 people. Wow. I mean, that people don't even remember Piper Alpha. And I would, it's, it's a perfect example of why eventually we'll come back and talk about SMS, why I think SMS is so important. I don't think people do things on purpose. You know, I honestly, it's, we allow them to do things through the way that we manage our operations, you know, and sometimes haphazardly. So systematic approach to management is always producing results. At any rate, so I did that one. And during that time, um, I got on an interagency committee and uh, Stacy Gerard had the position that I eventually ended up with at DOT. And she and I were simpatico and she said, hey, How'd you like to come work for me? And I said, oh, no, actually, she tried to recruit me as her boss because um, her boss, there was a vacancy. And so I said, I don't think I'm qualified for that one. I don't think I'm going to be able to meet the qualifications to even compete. And she goes, well, I'm applying. So will you come work for me if I get it? And so I eventually took her spot. I spent 17 years with the Office of Pipeline Safety, um, which is within what a lot of people know as FIMSA, which itself is in the US DOT. Loved working for the Office of Pipeline Safety. A lot of challenges, a lot of challenges. But the last 10 years I was there, I, uh, what do you, how do you present that one? Say, I was the guy still standing when everybody else sat down and they said, who wants to be the next chief? Right. I was like, what? <laughs> um, so I did that for mm. 10 years, being the, the longest. I think that's a record um, for the, the chief of the Office of Pipeline Safety. Headed up by my, one of my close friends, Alan Mayberry, now. He used yeah. to be my deputy. Um, yep. And Linda Doherty. Do you guys know Linda Doherty? We don't, but I was going to say we were just at LGA, and I think Alan was there, and we missed him. We wanted to have him on the show, so you're going to have to broker that too, Joe. I, I, I will, you know, um, but I would also in, in introduce you to Linda Doherty. Those two were my deputies for almost that whole 10 years. Wow. Um, they're excellent people. I just don't come better, right? Dave Merck, I don't know if you guys know him, with API. He's the API pipeline guy now. He I think worked Steve, with us. Steve's yeah. mentioned him. Yeah. Yeah, he's such a good guy. But he's six foot five, so you don't like to walk anywhere with him, right? So he's like towering over your head. Yeah. But a 26-year Coast Guard that uh, really super good. Any rate, so that during that, I'll close out by saying I left there uh, for a lot of reasons, but I'd done it long enough. Um, I don't think I was going anywhere and achieving any. I probably stayed too long, largely due to guilt. You know, don't, don't want to leave people that you've been leading for a while. Um, but I, I joined a company called TRC. Um, yep. That's where Monique Roberts were yeah. people, and I worked together there for a long time. And then in January, I just decided, hey, I'm going to pull back and 
go off as an independent consultant. Um, and that's how we, <laughs> sorry for that long one. Wow. Wow. I know. We covered it. a lot of ground there. And we ended with Monique, who we saw last week. Yeah. Uh, f- now, friend of the show, been on the show. Yeah. She, Her episode was top-notch. She's good people. And she yeah. glows about you, Jeff, just like wow. you do about her. We had a good time together. She's now the POD's executive director. That's exactly what POD's needed, too. It's somebody who knows how to market and sell. And that's... I tell you what. When she talks, I listen, that's for sure. Um, And I'm sure a lot of people do. Uh, Jeff, I want to talk a little bit about stakeholders and and the many stakeholders that you've worked with in this field of pipeline safety over the years. What what is that time taught Jeff Weiss? You mean what kind of stakeholders did we have to work yeah, with? Yeah, like what 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 stakeholders are you working with and what did that what has that done? I mean, how has that shaped what you're doing now as well? I'd like to say it maybe taught me that you know, eventually compromise is the only way to make progress, right? Um, because these were diametrically opposed points of view in a lot of cases. So, for example, uh, I was top-level career when I was in the U.S. government. Everybody above me was a political appointee of whatever administration I've worked, Republican, Democrats. Sometimes it's really hard to tell them apart based on their actions. You can tell them apart based on their words, but their actions can be a little different. So there are politicals, you know, you got your employees, you've got uh, other regulators. I mean, I I, uh, formed a group in the federal government called the uh, Interagency Risk Management Working Group. We had the Nuclear Regulatory Commission on there. We had the U.S. Department of Energy on there. We had NTSB. Um, Two of the chairs of NTSB sat on that group with me. Um, And then we had... Uh, the wildland fire guys, holy Toledo. If you want to talk about risk management, those guys are risking their life all the time, right? But so they're really keen and they were very smart. Anyway, I won't ramble on it. Just to say that I would, I was thrilled by these meetings and I would always find one person in each meeting go, wow, I really need to talk to that person. And you just see him afterwards. And I really enjoyed what you were saying. Can we have lunch and just chat? Right. And so eventually you build a network of people. So there's other feds, the state regulators. Um, we had 52 state partners. Um, this was really before the group that's known as NAPS, or you guys probably know, National, yep. National Association of Pipeline Safety Reps. They're much stronger now, but when I came in there, they were nothing. So it was all the states were telling you what they wanted. NAPSA would never take a position. And you go, I can't negotiate with 52 people. You know, <laughs> never get anywhere. The, the other people that are less common for you guys, for example, might be pipeline safety trust, advocacy groups, environmental defense. Uh, the National Resource uh, Defense Council, I think it's called, Natural Resource. But they were really sort of on the other side of the stage, right? Stage kind of comprised, you know, industries over here, regulators are somewhere in the middle, 
You got advocacy groups over there. Yeah. Environmental, you know, and uh, I think some, you know, other ones were international. You know, one of the things I just yesterday talked to two guys who I worked with for over 10 years uh, internationally. They're from Canada that used to be called the National Energy Board. It's now the Canadian Energy Regulator, CER. But they were the pipeline regulator on that side of the border. And I knew people in Anbridge, TransCanada, and all these tra uh, Trans Mountain, which is getting more than I guess. But they, you know, the pipeline does know any difference when it crosses the border, but it had different regulatory regimes. So we began meeting, you know, twice a year. Um, I would go to Calgary, they would come to DC. And that went on. We eventually did research together. Remember them standing up when we were building integrity management, they stood up in one of their conferences with their uh, regulated industry and said, hey, we're learning a lot from these people on integrity management, it's coming your way, right? So it's it's funny. It's funny you say that, Jeff. I'm, this is a totally different example, but it's it's based on the same concept, which is you know really those unique vantage points and those different angles, right, to look at, at problems and and really going to work on it. Uh, at one of our conference, not this past one, but the one before, we were teaching a soft skills class, right? And so it was an all day all day class, eight eight hour class, and it, it half of it was a group of pipeline folks, like all makes and models from compliance people to field workers to evaluators, you name it, right? Engineers. And then on the other side of this group was um, we had invited our all of our local school districts in DFW, like uh, wow. teachers, council, anyone that might want to come check it out. Um, and so we had these two groups and we were like, this might not go so well. And what was amazing was the teachers were so interested in what, what that group was saying, because they were saying, we, we need workers and, you know, we have this worker shortage and we need training and, and this and that. And then the other side was going, we need to place people. And it became this awesome dynamic of where they learned so much from each other and they were on polar opposite ends of of spectrums and when they came together it was for one cause and really we learned so it was my favorite class of all time for sure you know but it teaches you some we were talking about this before we started recording remember it was like the, the simplest things you they seem simple when you say them but it takes a long time to learn them and one of them is to be able to listen to people you know without prejudging them right and be able to say what what the hell and ask questions don't just jump in and try to give your point of view but ask questions like help help me understand that which is a great line by the way yeah, absolutely you know, always stole that from somebody mm -hmm. but yeah i agree with you you know the, this same thing that you just described it happened with emergency responders and operators right mm -hmm. i was with a group of them and i utmost respect for emergency responders right there are anybody who Amen. puts themselves in harm's way for us you know we all ought to 100 percent. Yep. yeah so at any rate this the, the emergency responders really clarified thinking on us they always say hey guys 
To us, it's just another hazmat event, okay? Stop thinking it's so different. We need to talk about things like communication. What channels are you guys going to be using? What kind of equipment and resources do you have, right? Do Are our foams effective? When ethanol came around and it started being blended or transported, it that was an epiphany. You know, the, the ER guy said, hey, you know, our phones nationwide are mostly alcohol soluble. I was like, what? You know, plus they said, you know, that alcohol flame burns clean. It scares the hell out of emergency responders. I was like, whoa, that's, that's important to know this, right? We need to talk to the volunteers, which make up 80% of, you know, their emergency response community. So not to get off too far in that, but I, I love, you know, many fields, damage prevention. Think about that, right? You guys know this for sure. I mean, it's Absolutely. excavators, locators, one call centers. We did some stuff. I was on the board for Common Ground Alliance for four years and then stepped down because I knew I was going to leave government at that time. The first government person on that one too. So the excavators didn't like gummies. So um, I eventually turned them though. Um, they they invited me to their conference and I spoke for a little while and one of the other board members was there and he was an excavator and I always conclude with now you know this is the fun part you guys ask whatever you want right I'll tell you if I don't think I can say that but I'll try to answer if I can nobody would ask a question so eventually this guy who was on the board with me stood up he was a big excavator from Louisiana stood up and he said, he's all right, guys. I know him. You can talk to him. And then, awesome. then the hands start going up. And then it means you're accepted into that group again. Another lesson, right? Go with a friend. The recovering uh, regulator, right? That what Steve always says, I'm a recovering regulator. He does. Yeah, he does. James, I got an Oh, go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead. I, no, no, I no, love I'm... listening to you, brother. I mean, honest to goodness, I'm sitting here and every question I have in my head you are pinging on all this oh, stuff. I mean, yeah, you, you guys are, are so, so this Hey, you know, I told you, if, if you'd allow me, can I lay out what I was talking about before I started reporting this business about, can I've been wrestling with this kind of chain of thoughts to figure out where's it going, you know, and one of the things we were talking about, you, and again, I know you know these things, so I'm just talking about anybody else who might be listening. Um, to see if it makes any sense at all. So I walk on feedback. But I've gone places like when my kids were really small and in high school, I, I'll go into school and I talk to kids and I'd say, hey, kids, let's talk about energy. You know, how do you, how do you use energy? And they're like, what? You know, what? And I go, well, does anybody have a light switch in your house, right? Yeah. Do, you do you drive a car with your parents or you, right? Is there, do you ever fly anywhere, take a train, a bus, you know, whatever? You eat food, which is delivered by trucks that are burning and stuff. And eventually the point of this one is, I think the average citizen, intelligent though they may be, has never really pondered this question. Like, hey, how, freaking dependent am I on energy and where the hell is that coming from? They just know they want it. They want it as cheap as they can get it and they want it to be reliable, right? 
So uh, they freak out when gas goes to five. You know, meanwhile in Europe it's probably about eight, right? Right. So uh, and they've been used to that forever. So at any rate, so the first point of it was I think the public's generally not cognizant of their dependency on energy, and therefore everything from this point forward becomes a discussion about the costs of pipelines and delivering energy reliably, cheaply, safely, you know, it becomes a cost-centered debate. So, for example, you know, one of the things I was, I was mentioning to you that I, I was stunned. I think I told you at Energy World Net, I, I did a little bit of research by Energy Information Administration and U.S. Department of Energy, probably the most neutral source you can find. In, uh, they released a report just uh, a few days ago, and they said last year, primary energy production, 79% of energy produced in the U.S. was fossil. That includes coal, but I know coal has really been going down. So it's mostly oil and gas, right? 14% was renewable, and it's been growing, you know, which is really good, and I think we talked about this before too. We all have to embrace renewable power. We've got, you know, no I'm, a, I'm not a denier. You know, I believe we've got change of foot, you know, and we've got to get with it. So um, only 7% is nuclear. Nuclear has been kind of going down really slowly for a long time. On consumption, and this was what we talked about Energy World now, was that the bulk of our energy that we're consuming, you, me, anybody, lights, everything. They don't think about oil and natural gas when they think about lights or their computer, no. the internet. No. Oh my God, take the internet away from anybody and they freak out, right? Right. So, they, they do it one-to-one -one and I say they you know, six years ago, this could have been me is what I mean. I like, I very well could have been in that demographic. But if, for instance, if you mention natural gas, well, I don't have natural gas at home. Right. I'm, I'm well, electric. Right. No, no, that's what I, right. That's, that's yeah, the yeah. one to one for, for most people is, well, I'm all electric. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's, except for, you know, <laughs> gas, burning gas at the burner tip at your house is absolutely the most efficient way of using gas. Absolutely. Right? No doubt. And power gen yeah. is not all that efficient. I mean, it's no, like 60% so lost or 60%. Uh, yeah. I mean, you lose crazy like, number. Yeah, it is. It's almost like 60% both in the generation and transmission through the grid. So anyway, I think we're all heading there. The point I wanted to make on that one, besides the fact that people take energy for granted and it's like a birthright was that we're dominantly dependent on fossil fuels and primarily oil and gas. Um, the other point that I was thinking about was that pipeline projects I've been associated with, and I'm sure you guys too, have been canceled. Yep. Right? They have, because of opposition, the opposition is galvanized by social media, you name it. You know, the news loves a, a negative story. So nobody says, hey, by the way, we're going to kill this project. And here's what it would have delivered to you for how many years. And so now we're going to have a hard time making up for that. So I, I worry about the fact that we're turning down so many major projects that would have provided energy while renewables are finally getting to a place where they can, you know, well, take 
hard. And wouldn't you, wouldn't you say, Jeff, I, and I think we might have talked about this before. I, we may have mentioned it in Dallas when we were together, but energy is almost like a 401k portfolio. You don't put all your stuff in one basket. Energy in the world, or let's do the micro, the United States. I'm for hydro and solar and wind, but I'm also for natural gas. I was in New Orleans. There was a lady sitting next to me at Drago's who had the end fossil fuels. So she wasn't with our, with our group. Okay. But she's eating charbroiled oysters. Which are so good, by the way. So, so good there, aren't they? So good. And they're 20 feet ahead of us on a huge natural gas. Of course. Road. That's the only way you can do it. And I'm like, and she was dying. I'm like, let's talk about those oysters some more though. Yeah. yeah no kidding. Go to the Those Acme, are, Acme in New Orleans. Acme's no, good. Drago's yeah. is good. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. It's is that the one right across the street? No, it's no, it's at no, the no, Hilton, no. but there's also one in Metro. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, at any rate, so that the last point in that whole dialogue, you know, was that because of all those things, because we're going to need it, we're going to need it for decades, right? We're going to need the energy provided by oil and natural gas for decades. Now, hopefully we ramp up faster on renewables, right? But we can't, we can't bank on it. So uh, that means to me that we're going to have to rely on existing infrastructure probably longer than people had intended, right? And so the, that puts a pressure on the operators to do a better job of really doing risk management. Um, that most of my career has been involved in risk management. Monique would laugh if she hears this because I've said it so many times, uh -oh. but it's, it's a simple thing, risk management. People tend to overcomplicate it. To me, it means no, in the pipeline context, it means even offshore in that context, it means know your system, right? Know what you know and know what you don't know, right? So you can make conservative decisions. Know what's around your system is number two. And that can mean it can affect you, whether it's subsidence or hurricanes or whatever, but you can also affect it. But if you know those two things, your system and what's around it, you know, and with certainty, um, you can really do a pretty good job of risk management if you're intelligent and really care about safety and people. Um, so anyway, I think that's where we're at. I think we're going to have to rely on this existing infrastructure um, even more than we may now, right? We'll probably run into capacities um, and some of it's old. Like I'm going to, I rarely use a name. Uh -oh. uh, you can edit it out later. No, I'm just kidding. Let me just Recall. say a major, I'll just say this, a major East Coast um, aviation and motor fuel pipeline uh, had the largest uh, inland spill, you know, about a year and a half ago or so. You, you guys know what I'm talking about. So it was the largest. That's a very old pipeline. It also suffered from railroad fatigue. The pipe was transported on rail before they had all these standards about bracing the pipe on the, the transport. So anyway, wow. I've been rambling for a while, but it was mostly that I'm concerned that we as a country don't have a plan 
U.S. government has not had a plan, to my knowledge, in the entire time I worked for it. They would say they had an energy plan, but it didn't say, you know, Jim, you were saying earlier, 2050, whatever it is, yeah. by that date, we're going to stop, right? And here's how we're going to get there. And here are all the many parts of how we're going to get there. But it, the German Marshall Fund is out there and they've released a plan, you know, I haven't read it in detail, but U.S. government really needs to get on board with this stuff and make sense. And, and I think it gets back to education. And I think you're a, a, um, um, you herald the idea of education and cross collaboration and sharing. Jeff, I mean, you are, that's one of your passions because collectively we have a lot of the answers individually maybe we don't but when we do and i'm talking at a macro level of this and uh i i think that's a key to it too whether it's everything you're talking about risk management you know you assess the united states right now in a sms or a psms world and you know a lot of us think wow we're going great and then others can say well we haven't even scratched the surface yet we've been doing this for 20 plus years you know in some form or fashion i, I mean uh, what would, what would you, go ahead james well i was just gonna say i you know this is a new concept to me or was a new concept to me about the time i met steve allen when he came on board with us and so i i've told other people as well i think i just said it to monique not to uh last week was that I learned a lot about pipeline safety and stuff through his PowerPoints because I yep. worked with him to make him look better because, I mean, he's Steve. And uh, we love him. No, I'm just kidding. But but he came to me and was like, I need your help. So we worked together, and I learned a lot that way by, by yeah. just osmosis and being around um, Steve. <laughs> but how he, I mean, he does. Um, are there, is there any advice, Jeff, for those that are, I, well, this was my point, was I remember telling Steve one time, as I said, why aren't, why are y'all still going out and doing PSMS 101, you know? And I was like, people are tired of hearing that crowd, I want to hear it. And he goes, because there's still some people out there who have never heard it. <laughs> and, and, the, and I laugh about it, but, but I would be at, a show listening again for the for me the hundredth time and somebody would have that aha moment of sure. gotta get moving. Yeah. You know, I think that starts with that there's a so I was a regulator, right? And I I'm recovering like like Steve Allen. Like Steve. Happens. Yep. Yeah. Amazing. I know a bunch yeah. of you. Yeah, that's why we always hang together in case anybody's looking for us later. We can, you know, we got two of us, but um it, it used to irritate me. I actually um, threw two vice presidents out of my office one day when they'd had a nasty accident. They'd come in to explain what was going on. And they kept saying, don't worry, we have a culture of compliance. And they kept saying that phrase until I eventually said, time out. If that's the best you've got, you need to leave and come back when you want to talk to me about performing, right? Compliance is not safety, right? It is a negotiated outcome. I, I lived that world and I negotiated a lot of those rulemaking. The regulator doesn't set the bar that says, this would be safe if we did this, but oh yeah, by the way, we got to pass cost benefit. We have to argue with the industry. We got to argue with the states. We got to argue with the advocates. 
you would negotiate and get to a place that people are willing to sign up. I'm proud to say when I was there, we never got sued on rulemakings, hmm. but, but that was because we negotiated an outcome. And so some people will say, you didn't go fast enough. And I go, guess what? We went progressive, you know? We would shore up our ground underneath us and move ahead. You know, you can't always- that Direction's more up. important than speed, right? Yeah, well, progress is what we really ought to live for. We talked about that too earlier. It's like, and I loved working in damage prevention. There are so many different people in that and so many different perspectives. If you're open to listening to it, you know, you can usually craft a statement. You got to ask what's in it for them, you know, because hmm. they're thinking what's in it for me. And right. So you also think about what's in it for them. The only people I really couldn't figure out, I tried, were the locators, you know. I mean, I could figure out. Well, they, I wanted them to do a better job, right? I wanted them to move to new technology, electronic white lining, all this stuff, right? This was a long time ago. And yet it was trying to figure out what, how do we get them on board? How do we get the telecoms on board? You guys know this. Still, I mean, yeah. They're yeah. terrible. They go <laughs> through drilling. We love everything. <laughs> They're constantly drilling underground and, you know, it's a fast job, you know, it's not paying that much. They got to make, make speed. So they think it's cheaper to fix it. Right. Mm. So anyway, if, if something happens, it's cheaper to fix it. F right. right? After and, the fact. So I'm sorry. I got, it's, you know, me, that's like, got distracted. Um, but the, the thing on SMS was uh, it's not mandated. Right. Wow. In fact, that was my policy that I was on that 1175 or 72 committee and did not want to do that because I always felt that if the operator didn't want to do it, it didn't really matter. And it was just extra paper and a waste of money. Right. So you got to want to do it. And so to answer your question, I think there are a lot of operators who just really don't want to do it. They got enough other things to deal with. I'd love to sit down with any one of them to say, brother, you can make money on this. Amen. Honestly, that was true off offshore too. You can make money on this. Your insurance companies will think it. Your employees will feel yeah. more invested in your company. You guys focus a lot on culture. I'm very thankful for that because very few people think about the role of culture and the success of an organization, but I would say culture is king. Culture they, is king. What do they wow. say? Each strategy for breakfast yeah, every day. You know, I, that one's tough, but that is what they say. That is what they say. Jeff, you're, you, uh, we could do this all day, really. I mean, we have done it all day. It's just like that. It sneaks away from us every time. But, but Jeff, we... We've been asking everybody a different question, and we, we had uh -oh. you at, at, at EWNCon, and, and you got to answer our Be Brave question. In fact, you talked about that a little bit earlier in the pre-show. But what we're asking people is, I, I guess it's not really asking, but um, we, we kind of have a philosophy with the show of giving it all away, right? We can't take it with us. 
you, you've talked about it in different ways, different aspects of your life along the way. Um, if there, if you could give it all away right now, what, what advice could you give our industry, our people, anybody coming up, whoever, what would that be? You know, you guys are good at this, these surprise questions at the end of the day, but that's, but I, you know what I, the, the older I get, we were talking about that earlier too. You know, I, when I started out, I was young, I was kind of cocksure. I knew what was going on. Right. I, I was really informed. And I said, the older I got, it's somebody else's line. I don't remember who the older I got, the less I think I knew for sure. But I think that is sort of the beginning of wisdom, right? It's like, Understanding what's that realizing realizing that you don't know yeah well realizing you might not have a perfect handle on everything which allows you to be open enough to learn right and uh i think that that supports well i to answer your question james i i would say that all of us should have a goal of living a happy life right what makes you happy Right. Um, and it's like, you know, when what are the, the old saying is like when you die on your deathbed, what are they going to say? What are you proud of having done? Right. Yeah. It's probably not going to have been, you know, I was in the office really late every night, you know, um, but yeah. it's true. It's I was. <laughs> you know, and so I think I'm getting perspective the older I get, you know, and I I'm able to coach and mentor whether it's, I had a kid that with TRC, I was mentoring. I really enjoyed that. Giving back, that's your giving back. 100%. Mentoring somebody else, you know? Take, take time to invest in somebody, right? And help them out, right? I like yeah. that. That's good. I, I got to be honest. I, I, Jeff, and I'm not, we're, we're friends, but your stories, your wisdom, your experience, your knowledge, just hearing all that, I could sit here for days. It's the coffee, it's the, really. It's the coffee. It really <laughs> is. He'll fall off a cliff here in a, in a couple yeah, of hours. Hit that caffeine. This, yeah, this stuff. was the peak, Jeff. It yeah. is. I'm, I'm not kidding. Your story and hearing the whole, the whole, the whole breadth of it. Uh, I'm not kidding. You're like a superhero in our yeah. industry. So yeah. appreciate you. Definitely not. You know, uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy talking to you guys anyway. So whether we're recording or not, you, <laughs> you know, fun to yeah. Jeff, thanks for joining us today. Absolute pleasure. No, thank you guys. We look you forward for to time. many more discussions yes. on or off the air. Anytime. Either one. Anytime. Next, next time, Jeff, you have to pick a guest uh, to come oh. with you. Uh, sure. It can't be Steve Allen because everybody's already picked him once. Uh, can't have Steve on every week. Oh, that might yeah. be good. No, might you be. can pick somebody who's been on before, but I'm telling you, Steve has already been on too many times. You know, Kim. I, I would, I would, you, we talked earlier about Alan Mayberry. What a great guy. You know, yeah. the problem for Alan is he's currently in that job and there's only so much he can say publicly. <laughs> we might I have to wait to say that. Yeah. Oh hey, yeah, yeah. That that happened in Louisiana. We wanted some of the regulators on, and they're like, "Ah, probably not going to happen." No, no, no. So, so the the gauntlet has been thrown. Find okay. find your teammate, and we'll bring you back. Uh, it's been awesome, and we'll just tell stories next time. Sure. Yeah, that's fun, and you know, you can teach a lot through stories, right? Yeah. yeah. But uh, but I mean that. Think about 
when you're done working, what are you going to be proud of, right? What are you really going to be proud of? Hopefully, you develop some other people and you made the organization stronger and smarter, right? Amen. Cool. Amen to that. All right, guys. Thanks. Great, time with Great you. having you on. Yeah, thank you. All right. Until next week, we'll see y'all later.